0: So this morning we are in our last few weeks in the first seven chapters of the Book of Acts. Our last few weeks. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. If you want to follow along in the is provided to you under the chairs, we're on page 859. As always, you'll notice they have a hard cover on them. That means they're fantastic for taking notes. Taking notes helps keep you engaged, helps you to remember what was said and bring it home and apply it in your life. Now, in the first seven chapters, the goal of this whole series is to look at how the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of the early Christians, the early church. And the reason that we want to do this is because if you think that today, with we're and and trusting Jesus Christ, you have the same call upon your life. And that is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And you have been given the same power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we walk into all these situations, we see how where the early church overcome different you know, obstacles in preaching the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit and multiplied as well. Last week we saw them deal with persecution. This week we're going to see how the Holy Spirit worked in the early church as they worked through some different problems. And these problems that happen in the early church they stem from the seed growth. And, and, and the church in Jerusalem, which is what the first seven chapters of Acts covers, just exploded. There was at least 10,000 people dead at this point in a pond that was probably 40,000 times, for seeds. And now this is exciting. It's exciting to see all this growth. It's exciting to see how fast it happened. But at any time there is fast growth, you know that there is bone pains. Any of you who were tall and you shot up quick when you were in high school or middle school, you know what going pains are like. These in your knees and in You've to see those in your sort sure. people like I do know the to So I don't know what that is. I person, The growing hurt. Like I went home, my son is thirteen, he's six foot one, and six two, and I just five six feet it's constantly of they going to see the church teaching some going things this morning. And I want to see how they handle them. And it's my prayer that they will teach us some things about how we we handle the problems together as Christians in our individual lives and as a church. And you need to learn these truths because it's the truth that we all face problems. Amen? Right? And when you face these problems, if you don't handle them correctly, you will give the devil an opportunity to get his foothold into the church. I've always told you from the moment I got here, the greatest threat to the gospel is the church. It is disunity in the church. Division in the church. But when we can learn to tackle problems together, we defeat Satan, we defeat the devil, we don't let him get a football, and the glory of God is spread. And so that is my hope of what will come today. Now, as we enter chapter 6, verse 1, we're going to get a glimpse of what kind of growing pain they will facing. It says, Now well, in these days, when the disciples were increasingly number, a complaint by the hellers, Rose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The hellas doesn't mean hell we like some Greek get supported hell, right? It's just a, a, a word that comes from the Greek. The things are going after the widows, and they're noticing that their widows aren't getting the boxes of the love like the Hebrew in that. Uh, now, for some context, care of the widows. Of uh, older widows who could not work with a, a heavy tradition in their society, and was also considered a responsibility of the Jewish society, we are. by the Bible, and it was considered a responsibility of the church in the New Testament. So uh, at some point, when this was happening in the house, they noticed that their widows were getting left out, and they seemed to be blaming the Hebrews for this. Now this could have just been an oversight because the Hellenists were a minority and it's easy to overlook a minority in any situation, but it's also possible that some of the prejudices that predated Christianity were rising up in the church. So you had the Hebrews in the church who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, which uh, for simple terms is a type of Hebrew. They they attended the Hebrew-speaking synagogues and they read the Hebrew scriptures. And they were the Hellenists. they, They spoke Greek and they attended Greek-speaking synagogues, and they were like the Septuagint, which was like a Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures. And so there's these cultural differences between these two groups, even though there's only one faith, and you know that any have there's these cultural differences it we them to division, as people are not careful. And so it's not a far trip in the mind that these Hebrews were leaving their widows out on purpose, so they just weren't caring. And so the church had on its hands a potentially very divisive situation a lot of ways of thinking to get in the middle here now let me ask you this morning does it surprise you at all that the new testament church had a problem as severe as this because when i grew up by like studying the bible and bible college, you always felt like you were idolizing the new testament church you know, hear pastors teach this professors say this if only we could get back to being like right the new testament church oh then we would have a right we would the New Testament church was not perfect. They had problems just like we do today. You had the, the Galatians who were leading the grace of God for, for old school legalism. You had the uh, Ephesians who quickly lost their first love uh, in Christ. You had the lay of the Sons who, who God told to spit out because they were lukewarm in their faith. And then the Corinthians. My Lord the Corinthians. He could spend the whole year talking about how screwed up they were as a church. The church is not perfect, and this is my point. It was not perfect then, it's not perfect now. There is no perfect church. There's no perfect church. There's never been a perfect church. There never will be a perfect church, at least not this side of heaven. And when you think about it, it makes sense, because churches are filled with human beings, and human beings are sinful, and we are false law, and, and we are fallen. And so churches are going problems. As our anxieties come out, as our anger comes out, uh, as our hurts come out, as our selfishness comes out, churches are going to have problems. And sometimes it's not even someone's sin, it's just because we're healing and we miss stuff. We just miss things The problems arise. So if you never disappoint, it's not just have problems. Everything suits some people, some of you are new here, and you love this church. And I love that you love this church, and you don't see me talking here. But you might be surprised if you went back, and you know, the church history, minutes, and you went back to like the mid-90s, and you really like a soap opera, like a reality TV show. And there's always a time this church is going to. Any church that's been alive long enough, is gone to some stuff. Because they have people in it. And anytime there's people, no, 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 no. And, I, and I want to hit this because it is so easy for us in, in, in our American culture where it feels like we literally have a church in Sometimes we have a church on every corner. I was in a church for a like town of 15,000 people. There were 25 churches. That one step line, 25 churches. It was amazing. In fact, it used to hold a, the give us world Record of something, and so we're not even know what you're so they so town with the most churches and most bars. Which is, like, where here, yeah, Which is, like, a weird kind of hey, does it think that, anyway, let's try that. Yeah, because we live in this society, it can be so easy that every time we're in a church and we face a problem, we're all can be like, oh, let's go check out another church. Let's go check out another church. I mean... How many of us can just church as to preach as because it's Bible, after the Bible, and the Bible. It is the perfect church. fact, there's a famous quote that says, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it, because you'll ruin it. Remember? and I'll say it again, every church has its Bible. the only difference is how churches deal with their problems. And this is the one thing I do appreciate about the church here in Jerusalem. Yeah, is the way that they deal with problems. And if we're going to be the kind of church in such a life, because right now we don't have any serious problems. Or, I mean, or, or if we do, I don't know about it. But one day, is that my, am I double like that? There we go. All right. Wait, am I back? Now I don't know what to do. It's quite dark left, but one came back. So we have a problem. And I don't have time to tell me what to do. Oh, right, I'll just go with this one. All right. So if we're going to be the kind of church to make the same impact as the New Testament church, we need to know how to deal with the patterns that come away. So we're going to look at that. We're going to see some of the things that we can pull out of how we respond to this problem. So verse 2, we see the 12 the apostles, they summon the full number of disciples and they say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, for the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Lord. See, so the apostles, The actually see this as is a problem. But something very important in how they approach this. This is just a read over and it's very so critical to our lives and how we deal with problems. They say, look, we need to solve this problem. But it would be a mistake for us to do it offense. He actually say, it's it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, When we think of serving God and serving tables, we're thinking of like a waiter in a restaurant, right? But the Greek here, God's meal. It has like this dual meaning. It needs to like serve someone food who is in need, but also to distribute money like a bank. And, uh, and so they're saying, look. Right. Just well, that is pattern, but we need a spiritual us to, to hand out money and to hand out food to those who are need, because it would take us away from our job. And what was we job? To pray and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I feel this is the critical thing that I think we can miss if we don't start to pay attention to it. When we are facing problems as a church and as individuals, that we don't let problems distract us. Our priorities. And it would have been so easy for the apostles to rush out to and start serving the food because they, they felt a sense of urgency and they, they felt guilty for this happening that they said, no, we're not going to let this problem distract us from our priority. Not because having that food or having that money was beneath them, but because God had called them to something different. And whatever God called them to do, is what needed to be their first priority. I believe that problems come into our lives, and that the enemy will try to use them to distract us from our priorities. And there's so many ways to surprise in the church and it hurts them in our lives. I, mean, I was thinking even this week, a couple days ago, I was talking to this couple who was facing financial problems, and and um, and so instead of really examining their budget and seeing how they're spending, we they just went out and got more, more jobs, both of them. Well, it's at the expense of them spending time together as husband and wife, and at the expense of them being with their kids, they trying to solve this problem by sticking out on a priority. They sure so they don't have more money for it, but they won't have a priority, they won't have the influence in their kids' lives that God commanded. I mean, and in fact, you know, as I was talking to him, I was thinking about in my own life how this is happening. All right. In our house, we have called called God Day. We have a, a beaver named Brittany, six years old. And our kids, our three older kids, and Ella will be one when she's old enough. They rotate taking care of them. Each of them rotate having a the day. They feed the dog. They take the dog out. They clean up the dog's stuff. At least we hope they do. Um, and they rotate through this. so what I do is on my bad day, before bed, half an hour before bed, I do devotions. You We're know, going to So right? You can do devotions one-on-one with each them a couple times a week. Well, any of you who have multiple kids, you know how easy it is for the house to get dirty. Even if you have the kids clean it up themselves, if you've got multiple kids, there's a lesson I'm living for. In fact, I remember Tom, who's on our board, and Laura, who runs the hospitality. We were talking about how they can people wait when they're kissing a hug and wake their toys into a corner. Some of you know this, you will never even finished. And so I've been finding myself at night. That I haven't cleaned, yes, especially because you have a baby and Lumber is homeschooled, since he has no time. I've been finding myself trying to clean all the way up to the moment that they go to bed. And I've noticed now it's been going for a night like this, and maybe it's been a month that's gone by. I haven't done any divorces with any one of my kids like I was. And I know how to kill a half for it. But when you turn eighteen or 20, or whenever they leave off the party, whatever it is they've done, have wasted so many years of party to their life school. And as a parent, that's my number one priority, to teach my kids about who God is. Nobody else is priority but mine. And so I was convicted working on this family thinking, man, now, this doesn't I mean I, I don't need to solve the problem of cleaning up our house because you, medical, you know when you step on Lego or an editor, you know the problem that can be. But I have to find a way to deal with it where it's not taking away from my priorities. And it makes me wonder, where in your life are you allowing problems to take me away from your God-ordained priorities? I just you. even as a, 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 a big problem in the church. Anyone who's worked in a church can tell you this is not kind of it is because let's be honest, in practical terms, a church is full of of people who volunteer their time. Thus, spiritually speaking, there is no such thing as a volunteer. You are commanded by God, if you put your faith in Christ in Jesus, to serve in the church. So Peter the full as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. But practically speaking, we look at it as job. And it can be very easy for the pastors and the leaders just to do all their work. The details, to do things, to go busy doing things. In fact, this is one of the things that he's church growth. And you tell you don't read about church leadership fucking health, it's the pastor's power to do too much. And yet when you read in Ephesians four, the pastors are given, leaders are given to the church for the equipment of the saints for the work of service to build up the body of Christ, and I often have to remind myself that a good pastor is not trying to do everything myself, but it's finding people to do the work of the ministry. D.L. Moody has this great quote a pastor, "The pastor you everything outside the church is He said, it's better to put 10 men to work than trying to do the work of 10 men. And this is a good principle for any of you who are in leadership roles. Except in the areas that are your priority. But you need to stop trying to do things because so many problems by yourself, and start handing them off to the people who can do them for you. Now it means they may not do it 100% the way that you would do it, which I know is all always for our leaders. But the church, your life, your business, will benefit, because you hand things off. And this actually goes for people that are not in leadership, because we all. have who are trying to do too much. That seems to be distracting from their priorities. And so I encourage you to keep your eyes open and anytime you see your bathroom things dude, you, you're going to be like, well, no, 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 it's a question for them to offer. hey, you're to take these things off your head. This is something i like appreciated. to Tim. I was standing on the night earlier and he came, career, and he came on board and to help us out with tech and stuff. And he would come here on Sunday mornings and he said, okay, tell me what this one you did and then he would start doing them for me. And then you know, at the same point, you would come and he would just shut my door. Not to protect me, but to keep me from coming out and doing this, anything. Why? So I could be focused on my power. So you need principle here. Don't let like problems to distract you from your power I'll read it on to verse two. You read this again. Let's see what kind of people they call we therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of David peaceful of the Spirit and wisdom whom we will pray to this duty. But when we will devote ourselves to pray and to the ministry of the world. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they sent Stephen, and a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and Jehoras, and Nicomel, and Kimon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, who was a proselyte of Antioch, which means he was a non-Jewish person who became Jewish. Other than being pressed to the parasympathetic wing so I mean, there's a good lesson to be learned here. Sometimes churches are so desperate for help, they'll just throw anybody into any type of position. Just to about a bite. And she has once said, this is fantastic and I want to write this down. He said, no clever arrangement of bad aids ever makes a good outlet. And am say it again. No clever arrangement of bad aids ever. Makes sure you good out of that. And so they say, here are the standards. We want men to give up here. This means you have a good standing in the community. You have a good rapport with people. It's a good reminder for us. The way that we act away from the church reflects on the church. So remember that the next time you're down, in the, road, down the road and somebody cuts you, and cuts you off and you want to tell them something. And you have a fierce on the back of your car that says, I love Jesus. Or the next time you're on Facebook and somebody irritates you, with something political and you want to post back. Give Wisdom. Someone who knows how to rightly apply what they have learned. And full of the Holy Spirit. What well, does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we think of this services, someone like speaking in tongues and dancing around with a tambourine and a horn. Yeah, that's not what sort of the spirit is. Galatians 5 tells us to proceed of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it goes on to say that those who belong in Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh and its passions, passions, and desires. So in other words, somebody who's full of the Spirit reads the word of God and does their best to follow God. They won't always do it perfect, but it's their heart's desire. And he's someone who's full of the Spirit this morning. And this is why these churches are never going to just fill holes to fill them. We have for all the positions that we have. And we're not going to waste to fill a position just to fill it. It Because that can do more damage to the church than good. All right, now let's see what's the result. They're focused on their priorities. They're picking the right people the right way. Verse 6. And he says, these they set before them. Before the apostles, Eleni came and lay their hands on them. And then look at this. The word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly into Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. You now just teaches me about problems. I've never really thought, that I can remember, i never thought about this piece until this week when I was reading this and the Holy Spirit just said, boom. And this be are the problems in all areas of our lives. It seems, it seems how we approach problems. It changes our attitude, our, our emotions, completely, if, if you've got this in our mouth. The problems, in the end, are opportunities. They're up- opportunities. And then this is... This is earth-throwing for me. Because if you're like me, I often think of problems as problems. Right? The problems. Nobody likes problems. We get them all the time, but we don't like them. Nobody wishes to them. But the what is it is we learn to look at problems as opportunities? And look at the situation. Before this became a problem for the apostles, there was discontent, there's people being left out of what they needed, There was division. And then the apostles did not enjoy having another problem. As leaders, we're always dealing with problems. As one as one guy said the problem with being a leader is just you don't know if people are following you, or declare but thank you. Thank you. No, no, because of how they handled this problem, look at this. The widows were created for, and there was an opportunity by the devil to get a foothold that was pressed. And the gospel continued to furnish. Love was Maybe the way they handled it, and if there were some, some prejudices between them, they learned something from these apostles. Every problem is an opportunity, and they trust in the Lord. And in my life, that gives me hope, because I have problems in my life, I am. I, you have problems in your life. Some of you have a lot of problems in your lives. What if you switch the gear to seeing them as an opportunity? Does it make it any more fun? Does it make it any less of a pain? Does it make you want it? You, know, you, you, you don't want it to go away, do you? But this new standard is an opportunity for God to do something. What problems in your life do you need to start mercy at His opportunities? Even if it's just an opportunity to re-examine how you live, this is exciting. Well, so in case I'm just a couple of things I want you to take home with me So, couple practical things. Number one, really for the case, if you see something, then you say something. Actually, this don't know for this is for everything, this is for marriages, this is for everything. Like, if you see something, say something, right? No matter what church you're a part of, You're going to eventually find a problem. You're going to see something that you think is a problem with the way they are doing things. If you don't find a problem, it means you probably don't have to go to church. You're going to find a problem. And I'm not talking about a problem with priority, uh, with preferences, because we all have preferences, right? We all want the heat at a certain temperature. We all want certain songs to be played. We like certain paint colors. We don't like certain paint colors. We like the passes this humor. We can't stand any passes. We all have preferences. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about a problem with piloides. When you see a problem, say something. Because in that moments, you're going to have a choice. You're going to either say something to those who matter, those in leadership, or you're going to start to murmur. You're going to start to grumble. That's what happened here. Can you read the Greeks here? So what they were doing, they were grumbling. They were murmuring. Murmured. Sounds like an ugly word. Murmured. Murder. Murmured. It's every, it's a half hard of a half conceited grumbling. Oh no, oh come on. Switching one dimension. And I will just seen it as death. And when people do this. it gives this, you sit in a foot hole. If you start grumbling to one person, you grumble to another, and then there's seeds of discord that are planted in the church. I've seen it time and time again. But when you go to leadership, we have an opportunity. When we give them the benefit of the doubt, then maybe they're not trying to be the worst leaders in the world. When we go to them and say, here's the problem I'm seeing, something beautiful happens. Either we, if we both the to of the world, either you help them see something they are bound to, or they help you see something that you are bound to. Either way, you grow together. In fact, like that's one of our plans here. We, we have a whole process that we want to see people go through when they come here to find help in the Lord. And one of them is to grow together. And the only way that we grow together in our maturity of God is when we work on things together. And you can apply this in quotes. You can apply this in emergence, marriages. How many marriages problems go because one doesn't say something to the other for years and it builds up. Got this, you know, this is a family reposal, really, every relationship that we have. When we speak about problems we see, it creates an opportunity for God to be glorified as both parties like them. What well, is your problem right now mean, I mean you need to say something? I to have the courage to do so. You have to us. I mean, I The second thing I want you to do, and this is the reason for the blue seats I is I want you to step up and serve. If is your home church, if your faith is in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has a job for you to do. Not tomorrow, not next week, not a year. Now. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's great grace. There are far too many Christians that are just sitting by while the job that God has for them is not getting good. I and mean, imagine if no one stepped up to serve these widows, what would have happened? Or even if one of them stepped up, but the other six didn't. The widows would have went without. There would have been division in the church. Our ability to minister to those who are in need, that walk through this door, is diminished. And we are not doing that an And everyone suffers for it. There's a little story I'm going to forward you. Know, I have said this to you before, but I'm, I'm going to do it again because it applies. There was this mouse that was on a farm. And one day he saw the farmer and his wife opening up the pockets. And he was wondering what these do you going to be? He's with a monthly delivery from Hillel's house. First man, there's some cheese in there. I'll tell he, you, there's this man. And then he's on delivered an elite top high the master's. And so he ran to the farm to his farm friends and he said, look, there's a mouse trap in there. I need help. The chicken clapped and scratched and raised her head in a smeezy voice. Mr. Mouse, I can tell you this is not a grave concern to me. Need you mean but not to me, so I cannot be bothered. So now told me to pig. Help me out, please. There's a trap in there. I'm so sorry. Mr. Mouse sympathized the pig. But there is nothing I think that I can do about. It. You can find some else. this. the last to call, he replied, wow, it was a social mask. So was a social So like, wow, a mask. Is my own gay gay, gay, gay gay No, I don't think so. He said, who you need to be all right? So the mouse is the other night, the mastodon <laughs> went off. Wow. The stockman in, in, had a long run and everything. And so the wife found down there to see what happened. Unfortunately, the mastodon caught a venomous snake. And the snake in its panic bit the wife. And so the father had to run his wife to the hospital. She returned home like a, a few days later. And what do you use to treat a fever that you still have? Chicken sheep. So he slaughtered the chicken. Now a lot of people came over to help him, because he was so distraught over his wife's condition, but he felt like he had to feed him. So what did do? He the pig. I don't think she died anyway. To feed everybody at the funeral, because he was so loud, you can probably guess he had to slaughter the cat. And now, because he had nothing left, he had to sell the farm. And then mouse stood to go where else to live Wondered what else might have happened if somebody had just helped him with the last time. The truth is pastors and leaders in the church often feel like the mouse in the story. And now she means to everyone in the congregation, most of the time, those needs being disregarded. And see so the pastors, just telling you as like it is, they're pulled from their priorities what they've been called to do. And they have to work on all these extra things. Which burns them out and leaves out and takes them away from their families. You know how many kids i tell you are the pastor kids and they hate the kids because their dads are never home. Not only that, the leaders who are serving they serve so much that they get fried, they get burned out because no one is serving the road. They get burned out, they themselves week in and week out. I remember I told you uh, uh, a couple months ago, we had one person who do need to come to worship or was uh, teaching for a so full because they were teaching the kids' ministry or both services because there was no one else. And so they dropped that ministry. And when they go out of the ministry, to no already serving that ministry. And he's already in that ministry, that ministry no longer meets the needs of the people coming, and then the church we begins to die. Now I'm not saying that we're beginning to die by any means. Things are more growing. But I will say that right now, only thirty percent of the people who call this church home first. 70% do not. And I'm not speaking, you know, about 70% because I don't know everybody's home situation. Some people are not here because they are serious health compromises. And so they're home because of COVID. I get that. A couple moms I know are home with, you know, three to four kids under three years old. They're just trying to serve their sanity and keep their sanity together. But I know that a majority of 70% could face they could make a difference. Now we are not serving widows like they do. we do. We just save people that are in need in different ways, but the service can be applied to even the same one another. And so that's why I handed out these little blue at the beginning. If you want to take one, I got them in the back. And what I want you to do is if you're not serving, I want you to look through this and circle any ministries that you might be interested in. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Whether it's the coffee team, helping shift coffee at the coffee place next door whether it's the baking team, you, you all you do is bake cookies for the coffee people, whether it's an author or a dealer to help welcome new people come in and answer their questions, whether you can sing a an instrument with the music team up here. The church ministry has sleeves, uh, our nursery. in our preschool, in our elementary. Record our services so we can get to everybody online and randomly meet people who are watching that idea. We need more sound guys. We are so blessed to this day to have three sound guys that are digging the gold mine. The sound guys is one of the highest positions to find, or some ladies doesn't gender specific. It's sound guys, digital right guys, right now. But if you enjoy music, you like to be behind the scenes. This could be a great opportunity because we have three guys and so you can actually receive extensive training. And so normally you got a some guys right in and then they, they look for off because we need to keep some work. But that was a good time. We people for slides to pick the lights on. People to help us take pictures of events that are going on here. We need help with landscaping and building moments. Or maybe your father is so on a ministry that we don't even have going and we need a big old space here at the bottom, and you can write it in. You never know, God might put the passion that's all more. I just say something. If this is head heavy face and your face is in Christ, you are called to first meet. The, me. the church needs your service, they need your personality, they need your passion. And so I encourage you not to do what I used to do when I would get these calls from the front and just say, I'll think about it later. It's a circle. It's a nebulous. Put a little box in the back, and then put a little bin next to the Job in there, and give us an opportunity to reach out to talk to you and see where you might be able to say. Because let me tell you right now, not only will you minister to the needs of people, but you will see the blessing of joy that's helping people. Can you imagine these seven that started giving the food out to the house, The joy and thankfulness they saw on their faces, there's no doubt. And as we do that and we walk in obedience and we experience our joy, we can have the same thing said of us that was said of the New Testament Church, that they saw the Word of God continue to increase. Every choice, every action that we make should be for this one day to see the Word of God continue to increase. Amen,